Lord, we, we remind ourselves this morning that you still split seas. Whatever, every life, every household, every family, every individual here faces, we are your children. You are a good, good father. If we hold in trust, you will split the sea. Maybe not in the timing that we like, but you split the sea. So we trust you. We, we are so thankful when things happen quickly. But we will trust you if you leave us in a place of patience and long-suffering. We trust you, God. You're a good, good father. And as hard as it is sometimes, God, we, we step away from being victims in life. And instead, we are sons and daughters of the king. Sons and daughters of the King. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't God good? Well, take a seat. We're going to talk about the power of the mind this morning. But I don't just want to do it in that, you know, classic renewing of the mind sort of way. I want to talk about where God is leading uh, his church, some of the things that are going on around the world right now that are really challenging. And it's almost like, the longer you've been in church, the harder it is to pick up God's new thing. Whether you agree with that or not, it can be true. Um, it's powerful, isn't it? This thought that our brains are much more powerful than we'd like to imagine. We'd like to imagine that we're free-spirited and free-thinking, that if God came and introduced something new, we'd grasp it with the neural plasticity of a five-year-old is anybody willing to admit to admit that I live with much more bias than I'm comfortable with that's what I'm trying to get at four of you you know <laughs> it's uh well let's turn in the bible shall we uh Matthew um 13 I've been reading a book called unlearning this week I don't know if any of you have come across it but um, it's actually harder to unlearn things that we've learned may not have been wrong. It is like trying to ride a different kind of bicycle. There's nothing wrong with the other kind of bicycle. But if there's a demand to ride the new kind of bike, actually, it's harder to change our habits and behaviors and perspectives than we think. And in reality, because it might take eight months, most of us give up and stay with the comfortable bike that's easy to ride. Every one of us is wired to enjoy feeling confident, I would guess, right? We, we love to feel uh, that we have ability, that we understand what's going on. Uh, few of us like to, as it were, come back to that place when we feel that God is saying, just be like a child for a minute. Keep your neural plasticity. Is that the word? Come on, clever people in the room. God demands that we become like little children because that's where the kingdom comes. Yeah. High levels of neural plasticity. I love change. <laughs> I love new things. Uh, even those that say they do, people like me, actually when it comes to it, it's really hard and it gets harder the longer you've been going because there are, remember, we, we don't live truth or see truth we live perspective we live bias 
And so I just want to stretch that for a moment. And here's Jesus teaching exactly the same thing, the parable of the sower. Uh, so in Matthew 13, Jesus is talking. He gives them this parable kind of partway through verse 3. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, we know the seed represents the word of God, right? Some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. I mean, let's, let's stop there because that'll do for this, this talk. I want to talk about the path, not the other ones. Um, it falls along the path. It's great that these days in our language we refer to how our brain is put together as neural pathways, don't we? That's really useful for putting these two things together. When the word lands on the hard, compacted paths of our lives, it's easy for the enemy to steal. The word doesn't go in. Have you noticed that God's word is often described as a, a hammer? <laughs> I don't know about you, I prefer the kind of bath shower vision, don't you? I'll, I'll, I'll bathe myself in the word of God. But the Bible also talks about the word of God being a sword and a hammer and a fire. Why? Because you and I have unplowed ground that we have to attack in order to step from an old day to a new day. No matter how blessed the old day was, everything inside you is screaming to retain the old and the comfortable. We've heard it already this morning. The new wineskin requires new wine. Whenever we taste, I think it's Luke 5, the, the new wine, every one of us will say the old was better or easier or more comfortable. That's, that's using the wine picture and here we are using the pathway picture. You and I have pathways that need to be plowed up. I feel like I'm on my own up here. You know, is it just challenging or something? You're not thinking truth. You're thinking bias. I'm not thinking truth. I'm thinking bias. And that's why God comes and says, I know you'd like a bath. We'd love to think, wouldn't you love to think? like me, that if for something new to happen, all that needs to take place is God comes and whispers in our ear and we go, yes, Lord, because I'm surrendered to you, I will do that. Wouldn't you love to think that? Come on, we're the radical lot. We're still here after COVID. Do you know what I mean? We're the ones that really want God. We'll cry our way through worship songs. We'll kneel at the front. We'll say, I surrender all. I surrender all. But the reality is our brains are so powerful. And the older you get, the harder it gets. Our brains are so powerful. You can be completely surrendered in your heart to God, but completely captivated in your mind to your past. It's what the Bible calls a stronghold. And so actually the strongholds of the past need to be torn down because most of us don't have the stickability to truly surrender and say, God, do anything, hear what he says, and adjust our habits, lifestyles, diaries, spending, etc. There are whole sections of the Bible that you and I ignore every single day simply because it's outside of our preferred experience. For instance, that the early church shared everything they had. I mean, us Westerners just completely ignore that. We're not going near it. We'll stick it outside of our cognitive bias. We're living this. Thank you very much. I'm a Westerner. I'm a consumer. My money is mine. Not how the early church lived. Should we move on quickly from that one? Because we'll deal with other ones today. But this is the thing. We're not really living the word because some seeds that suit our preference go in and grow. And we're so grateful for the grace of God. But there's other seeds that you and I just ignore and rather go for our preference. Um, 
I don't think I need to, I don't think I need to read the explanation, but later on, because I've already said it, later on in the parable, Matthew 13 and uh, verse uh, 18, he explains what the parable means. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, you want the kingdom to come? Ha. Oh. It's possible to live Christian religion but not have the kingdom. What's the signs that the kingdom isn't here? Lack of miracles, lack of new people saved, lack of healing, lack of the voice of God. You can sing your songs, feel the presence, hear the sermons, nod, say amen, cry through an I surrender. But if you haven't got miracles and deliverance, the kingdom isn't coming. Anybody feel a lack, a desert land of the true miraculous of God? Here's how to solve it. We want, the, we want the seed of the kingdom to enter in our souls and bring about what God wants to do. Anybody tell you, I'm as challenged as anyone perhaps more uh, by this message. So in trepidation, I share it. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one can come and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. You can have knowledge of the kingdom. You all nodded to what I just said because we know that's scripturally right. But understanding is a different thing. We don't know how to do it. Why? Because we've got cognitive bias towards religion or past or old behaviors rather than what would it be like? I remember going to Africa the first time I went to South Africa anyway. And, and, and I turn up to meet this this. Uh, 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 prophetess in the middle of the South African bush. She had a game reserve. She had 500 workers under her care. Witch doctors that had come to Christ as she shared the gospel and all this kind of stuff. And she she had grown up um, in in South Africa under apartheid. She's a white woman, uh, and she was ostracized from the church. One because she loved black people, and two because she spoke in tongues. And when I met this woman, the first thing she said to me is, "Oh, I can see your father." And now he puts his his, his glasses on the end of his nose and looks over them and up, yep, that's my dad. And he went, she went through describing my family, remarkable, Res describing my history. She'd raised the dead many times, prophesied to government. But as I sat and listened to her, and of course, all of her background was nothing like my classic Pentecostal background. I sat there cross-eyed listening to this woman explain what she thought the Bible meant. I mean, we went on a whole tour of Ezekiel at one point and I sat there going, there are whole things, work scary in it, come on. There are whole things that we think that are just not true. Or, and this is a more challenging one, they're not true anymore. It's possible for something to have been true 10 years ago, but now God has spoken again because we follow his voice. He says, right, now I'm speaking something different now, so it's no longer true. That's more challenging. Because most of us hear the first truth in the days of our neural plasticity. We accept, we shape a life around it, we build around it. Oh, the danger is though that we fall in love with the method and the style. And, but because it was true, it still has the smell of holiness, the smell of the divine, the sense of God. You even got the touch of God's grace around it. Because he's so gracious, he'll turn up anywhere. I mean, you and I have probably been in some nightmares of... Christian environments and you think how on earth is God and then you hear somebody got saved over there and somebody got healed over there and you think how does God get in here but where is the kingdom coming in its fullness it's people that are living God's now truth today is the day of salvation what's God doing today doesn't matter how much we scream I surrender to the heavens really every neuron in your brain surrendered in submission to the word of God that's hard 
And that's why God comes along to his people. Who Have you noticed, generally to the Pharisees, the problem was pride. But generally with his followers, the problem was dullness. So he comes in, and essentially it's this, listen. Thank God for your wonderful, hard, compacted pathways of blessing and peace from your past. But now it's time to break up the unplowed ground. Because some of those things have become so hard, they can't receive the kingdom anymore. And that's why you're passionate about your religion, but it's powerless. When did you last lead someone to Christ? When did you last see a miracle? When did you last see a healing? Come on, I'm challenging me too. I'm hopefully, get, well, this will be a revival prayer meeting in the next 35 minutes. Because it's got to be, oh God, use the hammer smash the hammer into the dirt of the pathways of things that were right and holy and truth but I have made a god of the ark come on that's when Ichabod is born when we begin to trust the ark of old method instead of the truth of God's word today wow <laughs> getting some my mum wants to run 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. This is the way Paul puts it. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Everybody say arguments. Everybody say imaginations. Say reckonings. Say computations. That's what that word means. We demolish ways of thinking. Not in others, in ourselves. Your greatest threat is not the devil, it's your past. And you'll be in the prison of your past until you break up and demolish the arguments that created your past. And say, God, I'm willing to come to you with an open heart. Within the realms, within the, the, within the boundaries of your word, speak. Who was it that said recently, God came to Gideon? Was it the angel, whatever? Uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon said, if God is with us, where then are the miracles? Should we use that as our plumb line? So if you're right, if what you're living is correct Christianity, where then are the miracles? Or are you living Pentecostal religion? Or for some of you, Anglican religion that's been transplanted into a Pentecostal setting. Or Methodism, patterns, the history of, you know, I've belonged to, I don't know, three or four churches in my lifetime. I can't help but carry the good, but also the pathways of those experiences. And God's saying, okay, it's a new day, new era, new wine, new wineskin, new things. And it will be hardest for those that were busy about the last season in God. Amen? We demolish arguments and every pretension. Look what the arguments in your mind, the computations and the reckonings of your mind do. It says that they set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So what have we got to do? We've got to demolish them and take captive every thought, listen to this, and make it obedient principles no bring your thoughts back 
to Christ and say, God, would you speak again? Amen. The past has a stronghold. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to what God is saying. And I'm going to hammer away. I've been hammering for two or three years and I'm still hammering and I'm hammering me as much as you. But that's why we need a hammer. That's why we need a sword. And God, by his grace, usually keeps speaking again and again as he rehammers new pathways into our minds to change what we think. Um, <laughs> uh, during lockdown, I had a, a dream. You've probably heard this, but I'm going to repeat it. Why? Because I'm not here to entertain. I'm here to create culture, right? So I know we want our preachers to preach a different sermon every week. Actually, the healthiest thing to do would would be to preach the same one until we do what the first one said. That's actually biblical Christianity, but we've got into an entertainment culture, and again, it's a neural pathway that's incorrect, but we kind of... But really, repetition is our friend, you know. (laughs) Be bold, be bold, be bold, be bold, four or five times through the first chapter of Joshua until he got it. Right, okay, let's do it. Um, So... Uh, under lockdown, I, I, I had this dream, and in the dream, I was uh, introducing a guest speaker on this platform, and there were hundreds of you all gathered in this large building, and as I'm introducing the guest speaker, you all begin to run out the back door, which irritates me incredibly, uh, um, slightly because, you know, I've set this whole thing up, I'm a bit embarrassed, and so I turned to someone else on the platform and said, where are they all going? And this is what the other leader on the platform said, they're so desperate to preach the gospel, they're going now. They don't even want to wait to hear the sermon. And at that point, I had a mixture of irritation and glowing excitement that, well, that sounds like revival to me. That the individual heart becomes so consumed with the purposes of God that actually we refuse to play the religious game. I'm being naughty. Come on, work with me. Because we've got to go tell people about Jesus. And as I woke up, the words, the church has left the building, just hit my spirit. And um, this, along with many conversations around the world, and these days, by this time, many books are being written by church planters and apostles and prophets about the new way that God is leading as the shape of, can I call it, let's, let's use a crude term, the kind of Sunday service model of church, attractional, big band, lights, camera, action, crowds, is beginning and has been really for the last four or five years to fail across the world. And the churches that are refusing to simply give in to the neural pathways of the past are saying there must be something new. Let's just, let's begin to hammer out the old and see what God wants to do. Let's let the word of the kingdom actually get under the pathways of our history and begin to take root for a new day to begin to happen. And honestly, this is happening around the world right now. Now, there are some that are all triggered and trying to defend what they did. But have you noticed, even famed megachurches are being judged right now. And who was it that said the other day, uh, don't think of judgment as punishment, it's assessment. God is assessing the church, and I believe in many places going, so not quite where we want to be. We need to turn a corner here. 
And so things like, it's got to be smaller because we, we've actually got to be... What's the point of coming to church but not actually liking the people in the room? We've, we've said it for years, life in circles, not in rows. But have we done it? That's the challenge. So hence why we start, right, we need to seriously begin to attack the very structure of revive and go, we, we've got to be different. This isn't working. Listen to these stats for a minute. Um, in the classic shape of church, um, a, a cultural thing that we do is we, we say the sinner's prayer and get people to put a hand in the air. Do you know it? An evangelist will say, saw a thousand saved, saw 500 saved, went on the streets today, led 60 to the Lord. And I, I sat with a renowned evangelist just recently and said, so how many, because the Bible's told us to make disciples, not decisions, how many actually become part of the family of God? And this is the answer of someone very experienced leading hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. It's relevant, but there's got to be more than this, right? Oh, you'd be lucky to get three to 4% actually in church. Can I talk honestly? The American church has assessed recently its, its efficiency, should we put it this way, and looked at essentially, let's take the income of the American church and divide that by the amount of people that actually get saved, at least to the point of baptism. Let's do that much, right? Because we know a hand in the air is very early. Most don't make it even to baptism, let alone beyond. And the US church worked out that for every salvation that got as far as baptism, they were spending one and a half million dollars. In the third world church, it's about six dollars per person. Something's wrong with the model. This first started in me about five years ago. I remember talking to Jason. We were chatting about, it had been a difficult year in Revive and I remember I could see the attractional model or the Sunday service model failing. And we were chatting about various things. And, and it came up, I said, oh, Jay, I think there's only about six people this year that have got saved and you can point to them in a room and say, look, they're still here this year. And he says, so what's your income? Uh, and worked it out. And he said, my, my lovely brother, he said, so you've spent about 75,000 on each salvation then? If you take your church income and divide it by the amount of people actually fulfilling the mission that you're called to do, because we're not called to keep each other happy, keep the heating on, sing the songs. We're called to go reach a world and make disciples, amen? You're spending about seven. And it, it was in that moment and in that year and in that time where I went, this model is failing. God, what are you doing? Little did I know that pastors, apostles, prophets around the world were doing the same thing going, this model has to change. Essentially, this is not working. Now, I know in a room like this, there'll be plenty of us, me included, that go, but my preference is to just do what we did harder, longer, louder, stronger. But the truth is, it's costing more and more to run Sunday by Sunday attractional churches. And actually, most of the congregation are getting, uh, well, let's say less and less of the congregation are getting mobilized into ministry. Instead, we're getting anesthetized into entertainment. I got really loud amens to that, Andrew. <laughs> they really like this one. So, because I think we're here to do more than entertainment or have a morning we will walk away going, it's great, I feel slightly less guilty than when I arrived. I feel slightly more energized. That's not the point. Is it, really? 
most of the people in this room are going to be mature Christians, right? We're here to be mobilized. To go reach the world. Every one of us. Me. I'm pointing at the failure in my life first. But then you can enjoy the overflow. <laughs> God, will you break up the unplowed ground? If you don't want your life to be full of miracles, there's something wrong with you. Because miracles are love in action. If you don't want to lead your neighbors to the Lord, there's something wrong with you. There's something gone on in your neural pathways. If you don't want to lead your family to Christ and aren't feeling desperate about it, there's something wrong with you. And, but it's easy to fall into the pattern when things become chronic, isn't it? We soothe ourselves and we just get on and keep our heads down and hope the grace of God does something. But can I say something more challenging? Because this is what Jesus was like with his dull disciples. It was, it, it's much more, come on, break up the unplowed ground. Where we're going may be as uncomfortable as new wine, but are you going to come with us? Come on, are we going to do this? And essentially, do you know that numerically and financially, Revive was the biggest it has ever been as we went into lockdown. But in my heart, I knew, but it's in decline. Because I could see that the actual amount of people getting saved and the actual miracles were declining. All the things that mattered. It's very easy for someone like me to go, well, the numbers are high. It doesn't matter where they come from. They're transferring from other churches here and there. But does anybody want to judge me and assess me and go, come on, church leader, no, that is not good enough. We need to be mobilized, stirred. We go into work and we don't see it as a time to try and see people touched by the gospel. There's something wrong with you. You've not been listening to the words of Jesus. You've been anesthetized into a slumber. And all we hanker for is a nice worship time and a funny sermon. So God, would you break up the unplowed ground? We want to learn how to ride the backwards bicycle. We want to shift from the neural pathways of the old era and say, God, lead us into the new one. Lead us into the new. Even if, <laughs> I think the most honest among us wouldn't say, oh, well, I love to do the will of the Lord. <laughs> I think the more real prayer might be, God, drag us kicking and screaming, but please don't walk by without visiting us. Let us not be a church that thinks well, we're a good church because we've got the smell of the presence of God, half-decent preaching, and there's quite a few bums on seats. That is not it. Better to have this place empty because we're so desperate to preach the gospel. Better to be out, not filling our pews on a Sunday, but reaching the world on a Monday. And whatever God calls us to do, to stir and plow up our way into a future that sees every one of us mobilized. God, would you do it? Like the disciples. We've worked all night, caught nothing. So God, we need to hear you. I believe whispers are coming from heaven in this time, nudging us towards the new thing that he has for every one of us. But they're whispers and the past shouts loudly. And our hurts shout loudly.
And the Western consumer society, doesn't it, shout loudly. But we'll stand before the throne of God one day, won't we? And they'll go, did you really enjoy? I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Maybe some of the pathways we need are actually older, not newer. There was a time we'd all cry and soften much more easily at an altar call. The most dangerous place in Christianity is to be in the smug middle, isn't it? Either be it hot or cold, but the smug middle he spits out. I, I've got enough. Yes, I saw a healing in the last year, thank you very much. That puts me on the outside of that challenge. No, it doesn't. It's different for every one of us, isn't it? Gifting, opportunity, place. But what about the moves of God, of the past? <laughs> when the tide goes out, we create a Christianity based on the drought and the dry. Sometimes we, forgot, we forget to long for the tide to come in again someone why am I preaching this because longing is the start of it yeah. I want to start to get your longing because yeah. if, if this is it if this is it let's go home now let's go play golf come on but if we break up the unplowed ground we deal with the, with with the bad and the nasty yes but also we need to shake off the things that hinder they're not sin but the hindrances laziness churches become lazy we're tired after covid so come on, we need to be reinvigorated. We need to not do our ministries and not expect people to get saved. Let's not do social action has that has no expectation of salvation in it. That's not what we're called to do. We're not here to make the seats on the bus to hell more comfortable. We are here to save souls. Should we stand in God's presence and then we'll take communion in a moment because we're going to need it, aren't we? <laughs> come on, you've done so well. Oh, Jesus, help us. God, 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 God. So you say what you want to say, pray what you want to pray. But essentially the theme is break up the unplowed ground, God. Break up my hard-heartedness, my, my laziness, my dullness. Uh, there must be more than this. And I'd rather we had a revival prayer meeting for 15, 20 minutes than I played a sweet song and we sang and felt better. Let's break our hearts, not our garments. Come on, let's pray.